Hello, internet peeps. Welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little Podcast, episode 149. I am Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm and we are here for Andy's picks. Andy, uh, since I suck at pronouncing any Japanese, who is your director for this uh, week? Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa. There we go. I said it right. <laughs> and uh, his movies is High and Low and Yo Jimbo. But before we get into that, uh, guys, what the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? I'll go first since mine is easy. Play a little more Village. I'm doing uh, hardcore playthrough. And also playing more Mercenaries before me and Zach actually talk about the game since we both finish it, which I guess he'll be saying that soon. Um, and I played a little more MLB. I went two and three this week, uh, which is bad. Uh, won two games, lost three games. I was playing against actually people who played the game for like every year. So <laughs> I was playing the, the veterans of the MLB The Show. But, uh, yeah, that's all I've been doing. Uh, Zach, what about you? Yeah. Um, been playing Resident Evil Vill- uh, 8 Village. I, I beat it on standard. i am also been playing Mercenaries. I'm going to start a hardcore game really soon. Um, I did start one, but it was an aborted attempt. Because <laughs> I tried to start it from scratch instead of doing a new game plus. And that's a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, it's, so, it's, some people can apparently get past it, but I tried it like fucking a dozen times and I can't get past the, the siege in the beginning of the game. It's possible. I've seen it happen, but you just got to you got to power through. You got to run away since that that scene is kind of like Andy, if you remember Resident Evil four in the village where you just have to keep on running around until the bell rings. It's kind of like that. Was everybody going bingo? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it's just. A lot of people get stuck on that part, apparently, though, when they're trying to do a fresh, hardcore playthrough. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me. Yeah. Um, I, I've been playing Quake. I beat Quake. Um, it was really good. Um, it's not as good as Doom or Duke Nukem 3D, for that matter. We can get into that later. <laughs> um, I also played a whole gaggle of arcade and not arcade games on a friend's machine over the weekend mm-hmm. and I, I beat a batman game i was careful i was told to be careful and i was be careful yeah what does and that then, what does that mean uh, what does that mean i don't get it <laughs> you know <laughs> i remember in the movie like when he drives vicky vale back to bat cave after the the fight scene in the alley and shit yeah and she gets out of the car she's like what the fuck and he's like walking over to like a, a junction box or some shit he's just like be careful and he turns the lights on <laughs> and then she's like standing right in front of a pit ever between levels in this game it just shows like a, a still of batman from the movie and he, it's got that voice clip where he's just like be careful like he's just telling you to be careful and not die. <laughs> he's it's telling just, you the player just be careful <laughs> it's, it's just really funny i don't know why that's funny i mean it, the, the funnier thing is when you die because it's got jack nicholson going i'm glad you're dead <laughs> he says i'm glad you're dead or something. yeah something else i forget what else he says. i can't remember the other one yeah the best part, though, is you get to pilot the Batwing, and you get to steal the balloons, just like in the movie. And then he actually says, "Who stole my balloons?" And then, it, then it plays the voice clip later. Why didn't you tell me I had one of those things? <laughs> but it was fun. Um, we also, me and Andy played like I don't know an hour's worth of Toki Meki Memorial Puzzle 
tight ten side dice, whatever the fuck. Dama <laughs> is the last word. Dama, yeah. Puzzle Tyson Dama. Ty- Tyson means like side story or some side game or something. I don't know what Dama means. I'm getting uh, them confused with the other one. There's two, and then I think their names were like merging together. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. The Tokimeki Memorial Poyo knockoff. Mm-hmm. I remember it was, you were like, oh my God, it's on there. And I was like, oh, let's play it. And I thought we'd play it for like, you know, five minutes and be like, okay, I get it. But no, man, that game was fun as shit. Nope. <laughs> Sat there for like an hour playing. Yeah, like an hour, like shouting about it and like, oh, it's a, a, a Yubi and something. Oh, she does this thing. And everyone's like, you guys are fucking weird ass. <laughs> any, <laughs> any fighting games on there? Oh, yeah. A ton. Yeah. I played, uh, We, me and him played a few fighting games in. Uh, played Street the, Fighter EX. Got to play Skull Mania. That's what matters. He got to see the uh, the super where he, he has tea with you and he wrestles you and he does like half your health and damage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's also like all the classic Capcom games like uh, X Men vs. Street Fighter, X Men Show of the Atom, Marvel vs. Capcom. Some of them are emulated a tiny bit wonky, but for the most part, it works really well. Mm hmm. Uh, did I play anything else? I do. I don't believe so. Not yet, right now, at this moment. No, I've been playing Soul Calibur. I've, I've gone back to play Soul Calibur. That's fun. Yeah. Any movie? Any uh, TV shows? Comic books? Not, uh, not comic books at the moment. No TV shows. I mean, I haven't watched the second Dark Side of the Ring yet. The Nick Gage one. Is it out? No, it's not out yet. Okay, I'm gonna try to watch those A and E biographies because I want to. I want to see them. I heard some of them were good, but then I heard like the Macho Man one was kind of like a character assassination a little bit. Hmm. So I was curious about that. <laughs> it's not That's... fair. He's dead. He can't defend himself. Yeah. Speaking of dead, I to kind of go back on me. I watched uh, some of New Jack's matches since he died. So rest New Jack, of... New Jack died. Uh, what was that? Saturday night or Friday night? Saturday, I think. Yeah. Heart attack. I think it must have been Friday because you guys were talking about it on Saturday. Right. Yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, he died of a heart attack, I guess, from all the cocaine he used to do. That'll do it. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. Andy, what about you? Uh, not much. I, I I played a bunch of arcade games, like Zach said. Uh, the Tokimeki game was so great that I got home that night and I needed to go to bed, but I was like, hang on, I got to get online. Was it ever ported to anything? Yes, it's on the Saturn. Is it on eBay? Oh my God, it's less than $20 by now. And then I finally went to bed. <laughs> and I did the same thing the following day. <laughs> yes, I got it on the way. The graphics aren't quite as good as the arcade version, but otherwise it's identical. Who cares? Nice. Um, I've been playing a lot of Last of Us. Well, a lot of. I, uh, I really thought I was going to just like, I'm just going to play this game. I'm not going to be wrapped up and like doing stuff perfect. No, every time like something happens, like restart encounter. Fuck that. I can do that better. I know how to do this. So I'm like fucking up and like, I can't get a bead on the AI in that game. Cause it's like, it's both smarter than I think it's going to be and dumber than I think it's going to be. I don't know. I got to figure it out. Where are you at? What state? Not, not far. Um, I just, uh, I was in the Capitol building and there were a bunch of military guys there. And then the next chapter loaded and I'm like, where am I? Lincoln, I think is the name of the place. And I, I've barely done anything. I started to explore and I saved and quit. Okay. I mean, it's all about, uh, I mean, you played the metal gear games. It's kind of, yeah, it's I yeah, it's going to be like metal gear or even like death stranding or something where I'm going to have to be like meticulous, but 
I know it. I know it. I just gotta, Ellie's, gotta settle into that mindset. Ellie's your friend. Uh, just use bricks and shit, whatever, um, as distractions as well. Like throw it at their heads and stuff. That is one thing I'll give it is all of the AI for your allies is super competent. Mm-hmm. I do like that. They they seem to at least conceal themselves when I want them to conceal them. So just that's good at least. Just like Dad of Boy, aka God of War. If you ever played the uh, PlayStation 4 game. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I just watched a bunch of YouTube. I'm watching. I'm in the middle of a fucking 12-hour playthrough of that Tokimeki Memorial game. I'm watching Tim <laughs> Rogers play. It's pretty entertaining. But yeah, I don't watch it straight. I watch it you know, during breakfast, during lunch, when I'm getting dressed. Nice. It's pretty entertaining. Nice. All right. But yeah, he, um. Oh, do you want me to take it away since these are my movies? Yeah, take it away. Which one are we talking about first? Might as well talk about Yojimbo first. It's it's the less meaty of the two plots. It came out first. Um, yeah, the, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about Yojimbo first. Okay. Yojimbo is the Japanese word for bodyguard. The movie mentions that, but for everyone else. Um, Yojimbo is... A 1961 Jai Deki, which just means period drama movie. Um, this was a, a part of what made uh, Kurosawa so famous in the West. It's like this and Seven Samurai and Rashomon and Hidden Fortress are like the samurai movies for him. And then, of course, Ron. But um, it, it was famously remade as Fistful of Dollars. I think that's where a lot of people would know the story from. But basically... Uh, Toshiro Mifune plays a samurai, a man with no name character. He has no name. At some point in the movie, someone asks him, what's your name? He, like, looks behind him, and he, like, Kaiser Soze's their ass. He's just like, uh, fucking 30-year-old Mulberry Field or something, whatever he says. So he, he has no name, and he comes to this town, and there's uh, two warring. Uh, this Yakuza boss decided he was going to give all his land to his son, and his like one of his lieutenants was like, "Hey, fuck you! I should get all of your territory." So they they're warring now, and uh, he comes in and starts playing one side against the other, basically. Like, but, honestly, if you've if you've consumed media at all, you've probably run into this story somewhere. It's Fistful of Dollars. Uh, there's an episode of uh, Samurai Champloo that does it as well. There's an episode of I think Clone Wars that does this. I think there was an episode of like. Uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine that like alludes to this kind of a story. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, what I really digged about this movie, and <laughs> I don't know, it, it may sound weird to you guys, especially to you, Andy, since you're into this time, type of uh, genre and everything. But like, I had a, a Western town type of feel. Um, there's, a, there's several shots that... When he comes back into town after getting healed at the shrine, after they've, they've captured the innkeeper, there's that shot where he just walks into it and there's a ton of wind blowing up the leaves and dust. And he's like the lone figure in a really wide shot that's used in like every Western after that. And most of them took it from Kurosawa. It had been used a little bit in um, High Noon and a couple other Westerns, but not to that great effect and not with the wind. They Kurosawa added the wind. And then after that, uh, every every gunslinger is going to walk into the middle of Main Street, and a tumbleweed's going to blow by, and it's that wide shot of the lone 
hero in the center of the shot. Like that, that, that was Kurosawa's contribution right there. Yeah, I, I really dig that about the movie. Uh, I actually like that it had humor in it. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very hokey for like a serious matter at, at times when like arms are falling off. Uh, which I don't know if that was trying to be comedic or like that was just how, you know, the practical effects were back then. Um, but it was I, 1961. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the I like some of the parts where like you know they they try to hide the fact that you know it's 1961 they don't have a lot of practical effects but like a guy would get cut up and he like go in like darkness in a corner but you see like blood splattering and shit. I, it's yeah I mean they they were using practical effects obviously it's the early 60s there's no there's no CGI or any of that bullshit yeah so they just had to do what they could get away with. Because there's several fights where obviously people are getting struck with a sword, but there's not really any blood immediately, and they just kind of like fall. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed um, the hokiness. <laughs> I always like the I I don't know any of the names, so you're just gonna have to tell me. But there's a part where he's like, "Mommy, mommy, mommy," and they like slap him like your stupid son. Because- that's a that's a callback to the very 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 beginning of the movie because he's like walking up the road. And that guy's like, fuck you, I don't want to be a farmer anymore. I don't want to eat gruel my whole life. I'm going to go into town and make something of myself. And uh, the guy's like, you want to be a gambler? You want to be a low life? You know, you belong here. And he runs off. That's the same guy. And then, uh, you know, Sanjiro, Yojimbo, whatever you want to call him, is like, you know, you should go home and eat gruel for the rest of your life. You don't belong here. So he leaves. Yeah. I love that part. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it came full circle right at the very end of the movie. Right at the very end. What <laughs> what what excellent bookends to this movie. And I, I want to say Kurosawa does really great with character development and makes me like hate and love some of the characters because there's a part where like uh the woman's talking to one of the guy of the of the gangs and she's like, Oh, he's just gonna take your money and run. What do you what are you stupid? Why why don't we just kill him and get our fifty dollars back? And like he's overhearing that. Uh, I really hate the guy with a fucking pistol, by the way, a revolver, because I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that's not honor. Like, honor. No, it's not. These yeah. guys are gangsters. They aren't samurai. They're thugs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, he's obviously he's kind of crazy, too. Yeah, which I which I kind of like. But I, at the same time, I'm like. He's got that stupid little scarf and shit, and his little yeah, fucking... he looks weird. Yeah, That's I think the, that that character Zunosuke, he's played by uh, Tetsuya Nakadai, who we will also see in the next movie we'll discuss. It's For that weird. matter, let's go ahead and get out of the way. Nakadai's in both movies. Toshiro Mifune's in both movies, and in a minor role, uh, Takashi Shimura is in both movies. And those are the three of the actors that Kurosawa worked with the most. Mostly Shimura and Mifune. Mifune and Kurosawa were like joined at the hip for like 20 years and yeah. then they like had a huge fight and oh, really and Cur- and uh mifune stopped being in his movies for a while and I, I there's a story about how they made up like two years before mifune died or something like that like they saw each other at uh someone else's funeral and they made up or, or something I, I i can't remember the exact details of that but yeah they're they're uh mifune's in like at least half of Kurosawa's movies. And then uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, uh, he became famous in other stuff before this, and then he started being in Kurosawa's movies, and then he also goes off to do other things. Nakadai's all over the place. He's both a bad guy and a good guy, and he's great at both. 
Yeah. I mean, he's a bad guy in this. He's a good guy in high and low. There you go. Zach, what about you? What what parts uh, did you like and stuff? Or didn't like? Doesn't matter. I don't care. Just go with it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't really there wasn't really anything I didn't like. Um, I kind of liked him, like, trying to, you know, play each gang against each other and then, like, figure out ways to get money out of them. And then somehow he ends up not taking the money anyway or he gives it back to them. Yeah. Because he's, a good, he's a good guy or, yeah, he's like, I'm not going to do this job. Fuck you. It's not really about the money for him. That's the funny, the whole movie, it's like the, the old man who runs, like, the restaurant or whatever, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's all like, you're just going to cause trouble. You're making everything worse, blah, blah, And, like, by the end when he finds out that, that thing where he, like, freed the uh, the woman who got married to, like, I guess that was a guy that was in cahoots with, um, oh, I forget that guy's name. It's right in front of me. It's one of the gang leaders. Um, the guy, the guy had got into into gambling debt. Yeah, and yeah. he lost everything he owned, including his wife, which was a thing in feudal Japan. And um, so the gang leader would come, like, owned his wife, and like would come around and have his way with her and stuff. And that's that's why he was so, you know, upset. And then. Yojimbo, of course, frees her and says, oh, go on your way. And then they end up fucking him <laughs> by accident, obviously. Yeah. And uh, that was cool. Him fighting all six of those guys. Yeah, that, like... That's the best fight scene in the movie, I think. Like the one at the end is OK, but the, the, that scene where he just like fucks those six guys up, like at the, just the drop of a shoe, like six guys are dead. And then he fucks that room up. Yeah, you fucked that room up, Charlie. Oh, it's great. I love it. <laughs> and then Eno, when Eno's with him the whole time, he's just, he's like complimenting him and shit. It's like, you're, no, it's a good thing that we're together because you're a real tough guy. And it's like, he's totally enamored with him. He's like, this guy is really tough. You should, you should hire him. <laughs> he's, I got a kick out of that guy. I don't know. He was funny. Eno Kichi's one of the best characters in this movie. And it's like, he, he looks like a dope. And, you know, oh, he's, he's strong, but he's stupid. So he's like that weird archetype, but for some reason, just every scene he's in is hilarious. And I love one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is um, they're you know they're smoking they're smoking the rival gang out because they know the woman's not in there anymore. And Yojimba uh, says, "Well, set me down. I want to watch because the casket maker and the innkeeper are like you know getting him out of town, and they're watching." And you see the whole thing happen, and they they kill they kill the guy and his wife and his son. And uh, then he's like, okay, let's go. And the fucking uh, coffin maker ran away because he's a coward. He ran away <laughs> off screen. So he's like, well, look <laughs> around. Who all is around? He's like, well, Inokichi's coming this way. That's a problem. He says, well, ask him to help, I guess. And he just tricks him to help him get out of town. He tells him. him. He's like, no, I've got stuff to do. He's like, are you scared of dead men? And he's <laughs> yeah, like, I saw some no, ghosts. <laughs> I'm not afraid of ghosts. Hell, I get excited when I see ghosts. <laughs> so he says something like that and he helps. And then, then they get there and he's like, where? I don't see any ghosts. Where are these ghosts? And he's like, oh, they don't come around when, when a big strong man like you is around. It's only They only reveal themselves to cowards like me. And every time he's just like, yeah, I am tough. He's got like a, a shitty grin on his face. Or something. Uh-huh. Uh, his uh, Unosuke, is that, is that his younger brother? Uh, Unosuke is the one with the, the pistol. Yeah. The gun, yeah. It's confusing because there's another character that has a very similar name to him, I thought. Maybe not. Ishimura. Maybe. Maybe. That's I think that's the oldest brother. Yeah. Uh but like uh he's interesting too, because he's like unlike 
uh, you know, he's like, he's kind of clever. And I think the gun, it's really cool. When they introduce, like, he has a gun. It's like, oh, shit, this guy's actually really dangerous. Because, like, you figure Yojimbo or Sujuro, whatever the fuck you want to call him, could just take anybody out, whatever, like, in a fair fight. But that guy has a fucking gun. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, there'd be no contest, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of cool because it sets him up. It's like, this guy's kind of scary. Yeah, he shoots several people with it. Many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, the main character would every time he goes on the perch to watch both gangs like fight it out and shit. Uh, <laughs> and then he always like laughs and stuff. I got a question. Who's the guy who like in the middle of noon just hits the bricks and says, it's noon or something like that? I guess he's like the town caller. Just... Yeah, one. I, I get confused. Is it the same guy who's supposed to be the constable, or was that someone different? I think it's somebody different. He's always okay. dre- he was always dressed differently because the constable always wore some kind of. Yeah, you're um, right. You're right. Yeah, he had some kind of clothing. Not to be confused with the guy that was the mayor. Is that yeah. the guy who went nuts at the end and just killed that guy in the? Yeah, building? well, because I mean, there was the guy who was the actual mayor, and he sold silk. And he sided with one side, and then the so- the sake brewer sided with the other guy. But then he started selling silk to undercut the first guy. And in fact, that's the guy who's played by Takashi Shimura. Shimura had been in a bunch of Kurosawa's other stuff, including what I think is one of his best movies, Akiru, from 1952, I think. He's the main character in that. But at this point, he's getting older, so he's he's in some smaller roles. He's also, uh, he does an excellent job in Seven Samurai. He, like, Besides Mufune, steals that steals show in that movie. But anyway, I like in the beginning of the movie where like they're about the two gangs are about to fight, but they're just like the inspector's coming. We got to stop. <laughs> we gotta. We all gotta behave, and they all behave until the inspector's gone and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you did this on purpose, Andy, but both the main characters in both movies uh, care about money, but then end up not caring about not money. caring about money. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh you see that in a few other Kurosawa movies as well. Redbeard, um trying to think of some other ones. Uh I live in fear. You could kind of draw that from that that was that was money doesn't provide happiness, I think was one of Kurosawa's story you, building blocks. I will say after watching these movies and and probably the, the movie that you gave me a long time ago that I still haven't watched yet, that's a Kurosawa movie, right? Yeah, Rashomon. Yeah, I, I I think you turned me on to Kurosawa, so I'm gonna be watching more of his stuff since it's on HBO Max as well. Yeah, there's a bunch of them on there. I mean, for our listeners too, uh, if you have HBO Max, uh, it's on there. Um, Go Jimbo. Uh, Hidden Fortress is on there, which is the one that oh inspired three uh, PO and R two. That's what people always say, but it's a good movie. Besides <laughs> that, um, what else is on there? Ikiru. Yeah, Kiru, I think, yeah, Kiru, Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, Sanjuro. Watch them all. There's there's not a bad one on there. Yeah. We'll see. Watch them all. Then you see, you'll see. Oh, Zach, you brought it up in the chat. Who uh, was the guy with the hammer? Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about him. The the wrestler? Yeah, he is a wrestler. I, like, yeah, I guess to clarify, I was like, I, I just mentioned this in the chat when I was watching the movie. There's, um... Ushinora has like this guy who's like a, a he's noticeably larger than everybody else. It's like a and, giant guy, him. and he's kind of ugly. And I was like, that guy has to be a wrestler. I'm like, is that giant Baba? Because I, 
Giant Baba looks kind of like him a little bit, and he would be just as tall. And then I looked it up, and I found out, no, it's not Giant Baba. It's uh, a guy named, uh, he, it's like, I don't remember how to pronounce his first name, but his last name's Rashomon, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but he's, uh, he was a wrestler, and he was huge. He was six foot eight, and he's still alive, and he's 102 years old. He That's ha- crazy. He has the face, uh, like fucking great Kali. Same- sort of, yeah. And Baba's got the same thing too. If you ever, but Baba's a little bit more. He's more photogenic. He's also taller. Giant Baba was six foot ten. Yeah, I. I mean, I knew it's a trope back then, but like they always make like the tall people like idiots because he was like the, the idiot person, and like the small guy was like, you know. I guess the smart guy, but I don't think he's a pretty small guy and he's, he's dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they're both dumb, I guess. What, what, I they, thought... they, they say he looks like a, a boar or something, a pig. He's got this. Like, yeah. He's got like a big his teeth are fucked up. Face. Yeah. I didn't think he was dumb. I just thought he was bloodthirsty. Like he just wanted to whip fucking Shinjiro's ass. Like whatever he had an excuse to do it. Mm-hmm. But he, he was also smart. He's like, you can't go far. You know, I, I beat his ass like for five minutes. <laughs> like, so <laughs> And he was right. Like he was barely, he's barely able to move and stuff. Yep, he was correct. And I, I, I like when uh, the main character goes into like this uh, guest guy's shop, uh, and he's like, you know, give me some food, and he's like, it's cold rice, and then like, give me some sake and stuff, and he's like, don't worry, I know you don't have any money. <laughs> I, 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 I like that conversation as well because he's like, I think I'm gonna stay here and like uh, do stuff, and he's like, No, don't do this. What are you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, but the end, the ending was badass, though. Um, you know, seeing him come back after getting rest in the shrine, uh, <laughs> I laugh because the the other guy who saves uh, the guy uh, on the rope and stuff. He does the casket maker. Yeah, he doesn't take the rope off of him the whole time. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, help him out, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> he doesn't have a knife. I mean, he's, he, he's he's an old man with gnarled gnarled hands. Yeah, but after all those sam- uh, those gang members that died, there's so many like katanas on the ground he could could have tucked and like helped him out. You wouldn't have had the cool scene where Sanjuro like it looks like he's gonna slice him in half, but as he just gets his ropes and he just goes like. He gets, he gets to do that twice in the movie. That's a very like video game anime kind of bullshit thing. But I, lo- I love uh, the two guys are drunk and the one's running away and he like cuts and the guy falls down like he's dead. And he walks over to him and he's like, get up, you're not dead. And it's just like he just cut his clothes open because yeah. he's that good of a swordsman. That's so cool. So another part after the shrine. Um, so he, in, in the little shrine house, he's like throwing his knife at a leaf that's flying. Uh, mm-hmm. from the wind uh i like when he's about to leave he's like wait are you just gonna go back to town with that he's like i have a sword for you Do you... i never <laughs> seen him run so fast to get that sword <laughs> I he like... was ready he was gonna do it and it's it's cool because at first they set it up as just like oh he's just like bored right but then it pays off because he that's what he uses to defeat the 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 samurai or the guy with the pistol yeah um that part where he kills the guy with the pistol. Um, I I kept on getting, like, flashbacks. And I know this has nothing to do with this character. But I kept on thinking Revolver Ocelot. He's like, I need to... I'm naked without my gun. <laughs> Give me my gun. Yeah. And uh, ah. 
I, I just want the trick of to get his gun so we can shoot him. Yeah, that's what I kept on thinking too. I was like, nah, don't do that. Just fucking stab don't him. Don't give him a gun. Yeah. yeah. And then he like points it at him. And then I've always in my head canon, I assume that by sheer force of will, but just by being a badass, he's like, You're not gonna kill me, you dumbass motherfucker. So he goes blind because he's dying. Because he's like, Everything went dark. I don't know what's going on anymore. And then he shoots the ground. <laughs> I got a little confused though, because after that scene. Like, you know, he goes around and, you know, takes the rope off the guy. And then he goes back to the guy with the pistol. And he's kind of still alive, but then he finally dies. Like, he closes his eye. Like, hmm. was that just him having his last breath be like, bye. And then he's gone. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, th there was enough blood on the ground that he should have died twice. But whatever. <laughs> he wasn't dead yet. He just wanted to be able to tell him, I'll see you in hell, bitch. I'll see you. I'll be waiting for you at the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I have nothing to say about this movie, but I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, uh, I I thought this would be a really good pairing because, like, there's a plot here. There's a lot that's going on, and it's real easy to, like, lose track of, like, which character's which. There's two fucking Yakuza bosses, and one of them's got two brothers, and one of them has a son and a wife. And then there's the mayor, and there's the sake brewer. And then there's the innkeeper and the casket maker. And it's easy to like lose track of what the hell's going on in this movie. But as long as long as you just keep paying attention, this movie pays off in like every scene. Every scene something cool happens. And it's always exciting. Like I it's always been really frustrating that I it's I can't get more people into this kind of stuff because if you've watched anime, then you would love old Japanese movies. Mm. Yeah. You should watch your Jimbo and Sinjiro. You should watch Seven Samurai. You should watch all the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. You should watch both Lady Snowblood movies. You should watch fucking Harakiri. You should watch uh, the Samurai trilogy. You would love all these movies. They, they're all great. And uh, a lot of what I just said is on HBO Max. And a lot of it is on Criterion Channel. But anyway, th this, this is a good pairing because there's lots of stuff in it, lots of characters, but there's not too much plot. It really is just... A guy with no name comes in and like fucks with two gangs and then everyone dies and he leaves. Yep. <laughs> now, on the other hand, high and low has a lot going on. So we'll talk about that next. High and low came out two years later. It was almost the next movie Kurosawa did, but right after Yojimbo, he did a direct sequel to it called Sanjiro. And uh, Mifune just reprises the same wandering samurai character. And he just wanders into another situation. Um, I think in that movie, uh, there's a lord that they think is corrupt. So his vassals, like, want to hire him to do something. It's been a little while since I saw Sanjiro. Doesn't matter. Uh, two years later, High and Low came out. Complete departure from that samurai shit. Kurosawa said, no more. I'm not doing samurai for a while. We're going to do something else. We're going to do a crime procedural drama. Yeah. Of all things, guy did all kinds of. He did a revenge movie too, and he did all, all kinds of weird stuff. But high and low, um, uh, also known as Tengoku to Jigoku, Heaven and Hell, literally. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to know where to start. The movie split into two halves, literally the high part and the low part. The first part of the movie almost entirely takes place in gondo's front room i think the whole movie does take place in that one room doesn't it yeah Up until the yeah. hour mark yeah because re remember the criminal is like has eye on the you know what he's mm -hmm. doing in there and so they have to like keep that mystery now i will say this movie was a roller coaster because like in the beginning i was like all right 
they're talking about shoes way too long. I was like, is, <laughs> is, is this movie going to like pick up and stuff? And then like they leave because it's literally like uh, a, a company, a national shoe. And like each person had like a stake in the company. And like uh, the main character is like, I, you know, we got to talk to the old man. And then mm-hmm. he then he has a play. He's like, I'm going to, you know, buy most of the stock so I could have control of the company. Uh, the beginning. I don't know if it's on purpose or not. I would really like to know. But the beginning of this movie is actually really boring. Because mm-hmm. he's talking about, oh, this lady's shoe is made poorly. Oh, this part's made out of cardboard. And this is poor worksmanship. And they're just like, hey, fuck you. We're going to vote you out of the company at the next shareholder meeting. And they leave these three guys he's talking to. And uh, he reveals to his assistant, right. yeah, his right. aide, whoever that guy is. Who backstabs him. Yeah, the, the, this jerk who later backstabs him. Hey, I've secretly been buying shares, and I just leveraged my house, the car, the furniture, everything. I leveraged my entire life, and I took out this huge loan, and you're going to take this check to Osaka, and you're going to buy the remaining shares. Then I'll control the company. I'll make a fuckload of money. I'll, I'll pay back all these debts and whatever. So up until this, it's like, it, it's kind of interesting. There's some drama, but it's like corporate drama. And you're like, I don't know why I care about this yet. Yeah, but but then like that curveball happens where like uh, the ones uh, June comes back and well, one, they get the phone call and they're just like, we have your kid. And then June comes back. And it's like, oh, shit, it's actually the chauffeur's kid that's kidnapped. They right. Just, yeah. they, they think, oh, they just kidnapped this millionaire's kid. And they're going to demand a big ransom. Oh, he got the wrong kid. He got the kid of some poor guy who works for a millionaire. Oh, he's, he's you know, whatever. We, we'll, we'll, he'll realize his mistake and let the kid go. No, that's not what happens. <laughs> I, I, I got to admit, Kurosawa actually had me thinking throughout this movie because I was like, all right, who, who, who is trying to, because like these people that just left it want blood left and then all of a sudden, like, I'm iffy about his right-hand man because they kind of, like, try to play him when they walk. he walks him to the car. He's like, hey, are you on our side kind of deal? And he's like, I'll think about it. He goes back in. And there's many times where characters are going out of that room and going to use the upstairs phone. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, the caller was calling from upstairs, but I'm like, maybe there, maybe there's some backstabbing going on where they're just playing ransom with the kid. And that whole time, I was like, "Who is it? Is it is it the right hand man? Is it these mystery mystery cops that just come out of nowhere from a truck uh, mm-hmm. from the department store?" Because if I remember, they don't call the cops, right? They do. Oh, they, he does. He does say to call the cops after they realize it's the wrong kid. Because the kidnapper says, "Don't call the police, or I'll I'll kill him, or you'll never see him again." And then they realize it's the, same, the wrong kid. So he says, oh, it's the wrong kid. Call the police. You know, the kidnapper's going to realize this mistake. We need to we need to start working on catching him or doing whatever they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, they know that he said, hey, don't call the police. Excuse me. So that's why they all dress up as, as delivery store guys and they pull up in a van and then they all come inside and they say, hey, close the blinds. And then they actually, oh, the, it's the police. The police are here. And I like Kurosawa's like humor because there's a part where the detective's like, all right, uh, 
he tells us I forgot the guy's name, but he tells us like uh, old bald guy go go interview the kid. He's like, wait a second, he might think you're scary. You're gonna <laughs> you you interview the dad. Like I like yeah, that the, humor, the, the Bolson or Bolson. whatever. Yeah. yeah, I like him. He was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, sorry, you go. Uh, uh, in this, uh, the the lead cop, the lead detective is Nakadai again. It's kind of easy to miss because he plays such a drastically different character. But yeah, the, the 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 thug with the pistol becomes the the hero chief detective in this movie. It's so crazy. It's just such a, a big contrast. And, and Mifune, who was the the wandering, poor vagabond master swordsman, becomes a millionaire ladies shoe magnet magnate. <laughs> yeah. And they do really really good stuff with this character too, because like. He he seems like he's also like a callous rich asshole, and they really string you along for the whole first third of this movie. The full the whole first act, I noticed this time for the first time um, when it switches over from high to low when they actually start investigating, it's like right at the one hour mark. And I was like, oh, that's really cool and perfect. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, hey, there, there's other parallels too. Toshiro Mifune hates it when people get down on their knees. And thank him. Thank Robble. Yeah, don't thank me. Yeah. He's like, stop it. Stop it now. He's always <laughs> so mad about that. You idiots. <laughs> so that character, I, again, roller coaster of emotions for him because in the beginning, I fucking despised him uh, because I understood, I understood, like, he was like, Trying to backstab his like owners and shit in, in the the company, and I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, it's kind of shitty what you're doing, but I guess you know Japanese business culture back then was like that. Is it shitty? I mean, they were going to wreck the company in his yeah. in his eyes, and he was trying to save it and have a decent product. Yeah, but yeah. he was doing very non ethical things, in my opinion. How's that non ethical? He just bought up stock. You can do yeah, that. Just, he's just buying shares. There's nothing. There's nothing illegal or unethical about that. He was doing it secretly, which I guess would be your best argument. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That that would probably be the shadiest thing about it. But yeah, it's not like he has to tell everybody he's buying stock. I'm guessing at one point all of them were friendly, and I guess like at, at the point where he was just like, yeah, you know, you guys suck, and I want to do my own thing and stuff, and I think this way's better. So like in the beginning, I was like, ah, you know what? I maybe I see what he's going with it, and then all of a sudden, this uh, this crisis happens, and I'm like, oh, this is easy. And this and Kurosawa plays really well into this because he's like, all the other characters are thinking the same way as the audience. Like, dude, that's a child. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, just give up the money, and then you know, you I guess you'll find a way to get it back at some point, and. He, and he's like, no, I, you know, this is my life. I, you know, I, I, I was about to make the deal of a lifetime. I got to do this. And he does, he, he keeps that mindset for a while. And you're just like, wow, this guy's a dick. Yeah. And I, he I said he slept on it and he decided he wasn't going to pay. Yeah. And, and they, they let you think that for like a whole scene and that you think he's lying. And then he's in the background of a shot, the blocking of this movie is fucking brilliant it's, it's great he's in the background and he's on a phone and you realize he's talking to the bank and he's giving them the list of all the bills that he needs yeah um and then like obviously at the point where he decides you know to have humanity and he's like i'm gonna you know give the the money and you start to you start to like him 
Uh, and I, I commend the inspector because the inspector in the beginning actually, he was calm throughout the whole movie because he was like, I understand your point of view. You know, you're you're about to like give up your life for this kid that you just, I guess, kind of don't know a little mm. bit. I and, mean, I, he knows him obviously, but yeah. yeah, probably not that well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, a after obviously when you know they get the kid back, uh, he's his mission is to help out uh, the main character to get his money back, and I. I, I think I like that character a little bit more, the inspector, because he had uh, ambitious ambition to, you know, see this through. Now, it's not like every other day, and I'm not saying all cops or detectives that do this, but uh, what my dad tells me, because he was a detective at one point, is they don't usually solve all their cases, like how, how the movies do it. Yeah, I imagine it's it's next to impossible to do that. Yeah, and he's like... He made he he pretty much had the whole police department, even the chief, be like, "Yeah, we need to catch this guy. He's a fucking asshole." Well, it was. Uh, I'm sure it's aided because it's like a big news story in mm. in the movie. Is like all the newspapers are reporting on it and stuff. So it's the the police are in the national eye just as much as Gondo is. Mm -hmm. Um, Zach, I I know you haven't said anything. What, what do you got to say about this movie? Um. This movie kind of pulls you in with a lot of the uh, the inner character uh, interactions and stuff like that. Um, like, I don't know, it kind of sets, it's weird, because like, I, I was kind of following what you were saying at first, where it kind of puts this spin on everything to me that's like, who's involved in this? <laughs> if you, your, your mind first, of course, goes to like all the guys who were just like, they're talking to him about the business stuff at first, and then they're really pissed at him when he's like, no, I'm not helping you guys. He's like, well, I could see one of them maybe doing that. I even thought it might have been like his... Um, right-hand man. His right-hand his right hand man guy. He was the only guy who knew at the time that he'd leveraged his whole fortune, his whole life, in order to do this. Yeah. Like, obviously, they know later, because he comes back in, and he's like, oh, you gotta do it. You gotta help him. And he figures it out and throws him out yells at him yeah which well, i which i love by the way well <laughs> I, I i thought before that he even had that information i thought well he could still have maybe talked to somebody else and got a deal to do like we'll we'll pretend to hold his kid for ransom and then make him give up his his bullshit and then he'll have to help us or something but that's that's just my mind wandering mm. um and then yeah when uh when he gets the call and everything that's when it's like you, you focus right in on the tension of the the plot, what's going on with the, the ransom and all that. And it's funny, like, yeah, like the blocking and everything where everybody's sitting around real close or they sit in, like, different positions and just listen to the phone. Mm -hmm. Like, his wife is always, like, right on his back, like, listening to the phone. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of moments where it's hard to do. I've watched a lot of subtitled movie so i finally started getting good at this but it's hard to do if you don't speak japanese because you're not always looking at people's faces and what they're doing because if they're on the phone you're reading the subtitles but there's a lot of times that if you look at the other characters in the room you start learning more about what's going on because whenever gondo's talking about like i made the decision i can't do it this is my whole life at stake if you're looking at all the police officers they kind of like turn away from him and it's like they look like disappointed but they're not going to say anything like yeah. they, they, they get it. It's a hard decision or whatever. And um, 
they all stand up when like he gets the phone call. Yeah, yeah, and and then later when he decides to do it, they look at each other, and it's not like they smile or anything like that. But there's 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 some body language that like indicates like oh I'm I'm glad or you know this will make it easier or he does have a soul. And they talk about it later. It's like oh at first I thought he was just another rich asshole, but I'm actually starting to like the guy now. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite part because it's on the train that he mm-hmm. says that he's like I you know I, I I hate you know rich assholes, but this. He's starting to. I'm on his side pretty much now. Yeah. Um, and and you see it with the main character because the main character decides to you know have a heart and I I do want to say that like the criminal like he did he was smart because he's like the I need I need two cases and with two point seven five inches and I'm just like that's really fucking odd <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, they open up the window in the train and it's 2.75 inches. And I'm like, wow, that, I mean, during that time, you, you don't have a lot of like surveillance cameras. So, like, right. Uh, so you're just like, wow, that's pretty smart. Like, he thought of that. Uh, and then I guess he hired like these heroin addicts to kind of pick up the money. Yeah, it seems that way. But he, he exploits, he exploits them for, because you know they're they're addicted, and he can. Oh, if we do this, I'll, you'll get a bunch of dope. Mm-hmm. Um, right notes, give me more dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this again, what I like about this movie is like you know, obviously, if you're not a wealthy person, like you think of always a rich person, be like, oh, he has nothing to worry about and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I think this. You know, this film kind of teaches you, like, whether you have money or not, there is a adversity that happens. Um, and, like, this guy who who's obviously poor and, I guess, an intern as a doctor, by the way. Yeah, that, I guess he's a medical student or an intern or something, which, weird. Yeah, so he's, like, despising, you know, the shoemaker guy who's living at the top of the hill in a nice ha- air-conditioned house. He can, he's, like, right in his window. It shows it a couple times. Like, you can see Gondo's house on the hill. And, of course, he's down here sweating to death or he's freezing to death or he's uncomfortable and it sucks. I guess it just, like, wears on his psyche or whatever. Yeah. What, what kind of gets me about that, though, is, and they mentioned this early in the movie, is uh, Gondo didn't start out rich right and like you know it's like he had to work his way up and yeah he got married to somebody that had some money apparently yeah his, well, his, his wife's dowry was the basis for his fortune or something someone says that at some point yeah but like i, I guess i don't know if that's like a, an irony or something because it's like i hey, dude kind of worked his way up to get where he was at yeah yeah, and I think that's where I kind of started rooting for the main character because he, like, he has that like assholeish kind of conversation with his wife because the wife is like, "You need to save a child," and he's like, "Oh, how are you gonna live without luxury? Luxury, like you know, he's, like, he's just basically like poverty sucks, and you don't know what that feels like." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she, she's like, "I could do it," and I, I do have to admit, at one point, I'm like, "Wait, is is, is she gonna like?" get mad that she doesn't have this luxury because when he the guy with the the auction stickers come in and he's like putting on the auction stickers i'm like oh this is where she leaves him like <laughs> like this th- th- we we don't see her again in the final act of the movie you mm-hmm. tell she was getting disheartened though yeah she was, like, wa- she was watching them put stickers and everything she's just like 
Yeah, and like he, 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 he kind of like I guess maybe knew what she was he she was gonna do because you like like Andy said you never see it, it doesn't it's I, it's I think not she stuck with him yeah that's the impression I get yeah yeah I mean, knowing Kurosawa wrote this plot I'm pretty sure that's what happened he he uh I, I mean he's he's definitely one of if not my favorite filmmaker ever but he has a real problem with uh women are always either angels or demons like they're always either like a total bitch like the wife in yojimbo or they're a total sweetheart and a really good person like the wife in high and low mm-hmm. the, the, the women he writes don't always have a lot of back and forth a lot of a lot of depth and i'm sure someone listening to this will be like well, what about so-and-so in the such and such and i'll be like oh yeah i forgot about that guy's got a lot of movies but you know just yeah. most of the time most of the time not always but where i was going with this is like in the beginning i hated the main character at near the end i despise the poor guy and like uh you know rooted for the you know because he he said at the end he's like oh, i you know i started up my own company i'm gonna rival against national shoes and all that stuff uh, and, and that conversation, like, like at the time, I'm like, all right, why did he in, invite him instead of just like talking to the priest because he had the death sentence and chip because it was a capital crime? Um, I'm like, all right, this is where he's going to kind of forgive him uh, for what he did. Right. Like, I, I actually gave him a chance. I gave the guy who did the kidnapping and his plan a chance. I was like, all right, he's going to forgive him. But then he just like. I don't want you to see me, you know, cry and suffer, but he kind of does it anyway. Yeah, he breaks down. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and, and even the main character, he's just like, I, you know, why? Why do we, why do we got to hate each other? Why can't yeah. we just get along and stuff? And he was still being a dick. Like, wow, this, this movie, like, made me, like, it's not about money. It's about humanity. I mean, it's it's not, but at the same time, there is still like a class thing in this movie. It's still also because like that's what that's what drives him to hate Gondo so much because he's never met the guy. He's never done anything wrong to him. He's just upset because he has and uh, the poor guy doesn't, you know, have and have not. Yeah, but he killed he killed a bunch of people who were lower than him. And when I mean lower by him by uh, heroin addicts. Yeah, I mean. His morals are clearly fucked, and he is, in fact, you know, a murderer. He murders to get what he wants. He's he's still repre- uh, a reprehensible, you know, bad guy. But you know, w- why why wouldn't that evil have been directed somewhere else? It's just directed at this guy who just happens to own a house that yeah. he can see out his bedroom window. Like mm-hmm. it's that, that's ridiculous. It's 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 kind of ridiculous. Like if Gondo was like in the papers because he'd like done something terrible, or like you know he hit the guy's dog with his car or something. Like that motivation, it would have still worked for a good movie, but it wouldn't be as good as it is. Like he's driven by nothing except for the fact that he's he, the guy's got a nice house and money, and he's upset about that. I kept expecting something to come up. Yeah, like, like so, oh, it turns out, blah, 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 blah. Because, like, yeah. the the cops are, uh, I think it's uh, Boston, actually, it was, like, talking to the people that work in the factory. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Mr. Gonga, Gondo is a, a tough boss. He'll be very hard on you, but if you're a good worker, 
you like him. He's a good boss to you. And that made me think, was this, did this guy work at the factory and he got fucking fired and he just went insane or something? I thought that too. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, duh, that's what it's going to be. It's not. It's not that at all. Guy's nope. a med, med student, which explains how he got the, the ether, by the way. That's that's why he's a med student. I didn't he's think about also, that a second ago. He might be on the spectrum because he knows the exact measurements of the windows on the train. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he fixated on this guy who lived in a house. He just fixated on him. He just fixated on something. That's true. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog hadn't been invented yet, so it had to be something. <laughs> I do want to say this is a good crime film too, because like I, my favorite scene is when they're... yeah, we've barely talked about that, haven't we? Like the low part of the movie, the crime procedural part. Yeah, the, I like the part where they're all in the meeting room, right? And mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you know, they're going through all the detective or cops and shit that are doing the investigation, but like, oh, what did you find in this area? They're, they'll like do certain situations. And then my favorite part is the one where he goes to the, the toll booth and they're like, yeah, there was a guy with sunglasses and a hood and there was a kid in the back with the, you know, a blanket over himself. And like, you see all the cops just like lean in and listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I, I like that part. Uh, and then real, like, real quick. Uh, the head of police in that scene—that's Takashi Shimura. Just, I thought I thought so. I, I hadn't pointed him out yet, but th there he is. I he's ju he's just the chief of police. He's only in the scenes where they're at the police station. I didn't pause and check the X-ray thing. I was just—I was too busy wanting to watch the movie. But anyway, sorry, Dubs, keep going. Yeah, and they do other things like, oh, you know, this was the car he's driving. We found the car that has like the scrape mark because, like, after the train. Uh, there was eyewitness of the farmer who said that like he got into a car and like scraped on, on like a, a a metal object or something. Concrete something. barricade or something. Yeah. That was a concrete barricade, yeah. Yeah, so like you have that and then you have the eyewitness of the kid who uh, drew out like the, the mountain. And I like that scene too because like they go in a low part of the area like, oh, this doesn't look right. And they have to go like uh, like three levels higher to, mm -hmm. to see the the mountain with the sun where it will set and everything and that's where you see the two heroin addicts that are dead in the house they gotta yeah. go from low to high <laughs> high and low yeah. it's also it's also a pun because they look high and low for the kid yeah member. that's what i was thinking of yeah yeah and it didn't even really occur to me like oh up on the house down on the street yeah, the, the the title for this movie is like all over the movie. It's it's a pun like constantly. It's 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 pretty interesting that way. And again, the original title of Japan was Heaven and Hell, which they do play with in the movie some. But I, I like that it got renamed to High and Low. It got it, it got released internationally as High and Low, and I think subsequently when it was released in Japan, I think they called it High and Low. I, I wouldn't swear to that, but I think it did get kind of retitled. Do they like, do they list? Do they sell a physical copy of this movie? Because I I really want it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I got it right here. So right there it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like, I also like the part where like the kid draws a handkerchief on the on the hand, and mm -hmm. it, it's really interesting because a lot of movies do this because you know what detectives look for is you know certain tattoos that you have on you. Is yeah. there is there any marks? And obviously he had a cut on his hand. Yeah. And, and that if the kids saw a cut, then all you had to find was a person with a cut on their hand, um, which they eventually find out when they go to the you know the the hospital or whatever, and they see the, the handkerchief on the hand. Um, my question to you guys: the whole time they're just like, we can't catch him now because if we catch him, it's only going to be fifteen years. We want to get him yeah. for the full you know everything. 
And they literally wait until he's in the yard of Gondo's house about to, like, kill him and shit. And, they, you know, they capture him. And I guess he's about to kill himself, like, cyanide or whatever. Oh, he was going to swallow all the, the heroin he just bought. Yeah. definitely killed him. Yeah. And I, I, I liked that. That part was intense because I was like, don't let that fucker die. Like, I wanted him to be jail time. Uh, I don't want him killing himself in, with his own It ends hands. up not even being jail time. Like, even the death sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's... That's towards capital. But it's death by state rather than death by killing yeah, himself yeah. like a coward. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, like, I didn't really care that he got the death sentence. Um, but, oh boy, this movie, like, it was the low part of the movie, but I dig the whole... Uh, detective work i will say yeah. it it did run a little too long to detective work at some times um uh i really thought he was gonna kill gondo uh when yeah, he me too when, when he caught him on the street there i love that part so much i always uh i, I always conveniently forget that happens because they're like what's he doing and it shows a guy just looking in a window at shoes and then he goes over there and asks him for a light. Oh, I fucking love that part every time. Like, I always forget about it, and every time it surprises me. Yeah, I like the cop that comes out, like, you need to move. <laughs> and they just, like, tell him to move. Oh, man, this movie is great. Like, Yojimbo is highly recommended, but I, I have to give High and Low, like, highly, highly recommend. Because I, I really enjoyed that movie. That was the first movie I saw out of the two. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, uh, I love these movies to death. I mean, I recommend. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, since that's one of your favorite directors, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought about it. It he's if he's not number one, he's in the top three, no problem. Um, there's th there's been times when I thought High and Low might be my favorite Kurosawa movie. I guess it's probably not. It's a Kiru. Sometimes it's Seven Samurai. Depends on like what mood I'm in, but. Uh, high and low is a uh, high point in his career for sure. But yeah, if if you like these movies, you you gotta watch all this other stuff. Yeah, did I uh, before we get to Zach's you know recommended or not? Um, is there any other movies like this with Kurosawa where it's like crime? Uh, sort of, sort of. I mean, there's there's some that take place in contemporary Japan, which would be you know fifties, sixties, seventies. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's one, um, The Bad Sleep Well is, it's not a crime movie. It's a revenge movie. It's like these corporate goons um, are responsible for this guy's suicide and his son is getting revenge on them. Okay, so it's kind of similar. But without so the maybe watch that one. Um, oh, Stray Dog, for fuck's sake. I should have said that right away. Stray Dog is a noir. It's um, oh, okay. uh, a policeman is on a trolley and someone picks his pocket and steals his sidearm, which gun ownership in Japan is illegal, of course. And uh, he doesn't want to get in huge trouble. And an older, more experienced cop, I think played by Takashi Shimura, if I remember correctly, helps him get it back like he shows him the ropes and they get into the the underworld and the underbelly and they, they try to track down this guy who stole his gun and i think he uses the gun to like commit a crime or something so they, they get on on Oops. his trail uh, stray dog's great you gotta watch that one uh, drunken angels pretty good too it's kind of also like a crime one a little bit it's uh i think it's about i'm trying to remember drunken angel uh the guy's uh 
I think Mifune plays an alcoholic and like this this local clinic doctor's trying to help him. <sighs> um that's it. That, that's it for like the gritty gritty contemporary Kurosawa stuff that I can remember. Okay. I'll I'll find it. Um yeah, because I definitely like it. But uh, Zach, what about you? What's your you highly highly recommended or recommend whatever? We don't have a scale, but what what do you no. think of this movie? No. No? No, I like this movie, yeah. I'd recommend it. Um, I liked it. Uh, I did like it better than Yojimbo, but there was like more going on in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm kind of grappling with this and Rashomon now, because I really like Rashomon a lot, too. Yeah. It isn't like a typical samurai shit, either, though. It's not like that. It's just set in that time period. Rashomon is a good story that happens to take place when there were samurai. It's not yeah. a samurai movie. Yeah. Not at um, all. If you want, if you guys want the complexity of high and low, but the aesthetic of Yojimbo, I mean, all you gotta do is watch seven samurai. That's, that's all you gotta do. Just go watch it. Speaking of samurais, uh, did you play, did you get uh, ghost of Tsushima yet? Andy? I haven't, I haven't started it yet. I, uh, I had intentions of, of being an artsy fartsy weirdo and I'm going to play it in Kurosawa mode like the whole time. <laughs> There is co-op, by the way, like down the road you want to play. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, there is co-op. Huh. Oh, yeah, two things. Um, I really like that scene where the cops were going through, like, the, the junkie alleys and stuff. Mm-hmm. With all the heroin addicts. That shit was, like, kind of creepy, actually. Yeah, we didn't even talk about uh, this movie takes, I mean, what a controversial stance. It's anti-addiction. But it's it's real interesting to see. I mean, this was 1963 in Japan, but they were struggling with addiction. And here it is decades later. And yeah, everyone's still struggling with addiction. It's still just as bad. I know it is here. That's for fucking sure. The war on drugs is still alive. Yeah, but I, it's just, you know, it's it's, it's a universal it's a universal problem but hey talk- where's your where's your book report on kurosawa you you brought me also to do it one. i fit it in there a little bit i was talking uh, about you know where he was in his career he always works with uh mifune and shimura and nakadai i talked about them a little bit like you know this is uh i'll, I'll open i'll open the the room to questions if you guys want me to, to talk about something specific i've actually read a fair amount about kurosawa but not nearly everything, if I'm being honest. There's still a lot to know about the guy. His career spanned decades. His first movie yeah. came out in 1943. Uh, it was it was supposed to be like, a, yeah, Japan's great! Because, you know, World War II was going on. And then his last movie came out in like 92? 92? I think it's 92. 92 wow. 91, 92, 93. Somewhere in there. And it, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's also really good. But it, the... His, his movies are all over the place. His last movie, Matadayo, is about, I, I think the guy is like a college professor or a high school teacher or something like that, and it's about him retiring. Sounds boring <laughs> as hell, but it is, is such a good movie, and it's like, you know, a, a you know, cry at the end kind of thing. Damn. I know this is a little off topic, but, like, in the high and low, like, you see Americans in there, by the way. Um, yeah, at the club. Yeah, and, like, the whole time I'm like, wow, Japan is such a country where they forgive another country for dropping two atom bombs. <laughs> uh, well, sort of. Yeah. Uh, well, some of that sometimes like the, the, the reconstructionism or whatever the hell you want to call that policy that like was like 
MacArthur was like a big proponent of that. They uh, uh, a big a big thing about several of his early movies are the fact that they were made and they had to adhere to I can't remember what it's called. I really should know, but obviously we after the Second World War, um, the United States government, military, whatever, was in charge of several parts of Japan. And in order for any movie to come out, it had to pass an all-American censor board. Really? So there were there there were some ideas for stuff in movies from a lot of big directors back then, Kurosawa included, that like the the censor board was like, no, you can't release this movie. It's too whatever anti-american anti-democracy pro-communism wow. pro something else wow stuff fuck, like that. fuck yeah. fuck america god damn it <laughs> but I, I eventually that was uh th- there's a period i should again i should know it's like 53 54 55 somewhere in there where that goes away and after that the japanese film dis- industry just booms and explodes yeah. You start you start getting all of Kurosawa's best stuff. Um, you get Ozu's late career stuff. Um, Misaguchi, Kenny, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. A lot of his best stuff starts coming out. And then you start getting stuff like uh, gangster films. And you start getting a lot more samurai stuff. Uh, Oni Chimbara becomes a thing besides just uh, Jaidekeki. It's hard to say. And um, uh, youth films become a thing that's a whole nother fucking rabbit hole right there but it's mostly yakuza stuff and like young guys doing doing cool stuff wearing sunglasses being badass riding motorcycles yeah yeah and pompadours yeah Mm -hmm. i i've I've got an obsession with japanese film i don't make it a secret so like why is kurosawa one of your favorite directors can you easily answer that uh uh, dude (laughs) Uh, no no <laughs> i mean i can I, I i can tell you um i can just say seven samurai high and low akiru ron i can just say those things and i feel like that's gonna justify it pretty well also the, the guy was just really entertaining and he he worked he worked with american filmmakers he worked with soviet filmmakers and he's like famous filmmakers favorite filmmaker uh uh, uh, uh ray uh andre Tarkovsky, um Federico Fellini, uh, Bergman, Her- Werner Herzog, all of them loved Kurosawa movies. Yeah. Even a lot of American directors like Yeah, them. and of course, uh, uh, famously, uh, um, George Lucas loved him. Scorsese loved him. Uh, they, they knew each other. Those guys all did. He writes characters really well. Um, if one thing I have to like say about him is character development in the, the two movies that I saw um, made me care about the characters. There's a lot of movies out there that like throw characters into a situation and you just go, yeah, this character is a good guy. That character is a bad guy. They fight. That's the end of the story. And then in both movies, like they actually have an arc, like a, a point of just like, this is what happens in the beginning. And this is where he ends at the end. And you're just like, wow, He's a totally different person from the beginning and a, a better person at the end most of the time. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, people imagine a situation and then they come up with characters to match the situation because that's the movie they want to make. That's the two hours of entertainment they want to create. But Kurosawa wants to tell about a character. And so the situation forms around the story he wants to tell about a, a person. 
yeah, I can buy that. Mm -hmm. I'll buy I that for a dollar. <laughs> I buy that for a dollar. I don't have any questions for you, Andy. I, I I believe that you answered most of the stuff that I was thinking about. I've, one of my questions was actually going to be, what was his last movie uh, that he directed? And you just Matadayo. Yeah, you just said it. So it's Japanese for not yet. Yeah, I got. What's his first? What's his first color film? I was kind of wondering about color that color film. Oh my god! Um, it came shortly after. I thought I thought it was gonna be high and low for some reason. I think it's because I saw a poster and it was all in color. It made me think high and low was in color. Yeah. Did he? I don't care. I'm just. I, I we've talked about this. I, I I like black and white movies. Fine. I was just curious how long he stays black and white. I actually have an. I have a question. Um, after you answer this, but uh, what did he actually help another director? Whether it be you know, it's Dodeskadin, by the way. Uh, did he help like a uh, other director um, produce anything? I don't know. He did write some screenplays that have been directed by other directors. Okay, I can't. I can't name any though. I don't know. I don't know that stuff that well. I'll check that out because I, I'm. I, I'm. I, I like what he's done with the other movies, and I'm. I'm wondering how he's done with just writing uh, for other people. So I'll check that out. But other than that, anything else about Kurosawa before we hear what Zach is going to pick for his? Uh, no, I, I said it all. I, I love the guy. Yeah, I love him now, too. He's he's probably going to be one of my other favorites as well. So, Zach, who is your director and who is uh, what's the two movies? It's uh, it's, it's Johnny Carpenter, John, Jonathan Carpenter, <laughs> J, J. Carps. And uh, it's going to be, uh, there was a little bit of deliberation on this, but I decided to do it this way. I want to do Assault on Precinct 13 and Escape from New York. Yeah. Okay. And I have reasons for picking those. Uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is really like his first real movie he does with like a budget and all this other stuff. Uh, and that, even he says that. <laughs> and, uh, I would say Halloween comes out after that, but uh, and it's a big deal. But I think you get more of a feel for like what he does, what his style is, and all that in Escape from New York. I feel like that's where he's really coming into his own, and even he says that. Did you have to deliberate? They live, by the way. No, I was thinking about the thing, but I was like, no, we can do thing uh. some other time. Because I was like, we haven't talked about the thing. You guys never talked about the thing. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> the thing. I mean, look at, the, look at the name of the show. We're, we'll get to it. Yeah. We'll get to that thing. Yeah. My top three John Carpenter films is The Thing, Escape from New York, and They Live. So, like, I was like, I, maybe Zach is going to put a Roddy Piper film in there, but uh, I'm surprised with your picks, and I like them. So, have you seen the original Salt Precinct on 13? No, I haven't. Yeah. So, that's, that's, that's a movie I never seen before. I don't think Andy did either. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. You made me watch it. Did I? Yeah, we did that big uh, the movie night movie exchange. That's what you gave me. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I remember at some point you didn't though. I only yeah, well, that was recent. Yeah. I've only seen the John Travolta one, and it's terrible. No. M maybe I'll watch that one this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to do a comparison. Uh, Zach, you brought up some news, right? You said something that you had. Um... Yeah, it's just mostly just for fun, and I do think it's dumb anyway. But it's like uh, eBay is banning the sale of adult video games on starting on in July. Why? 
Uh, it's not, and it's not just video games. It's just because GameSpot, it, they said they made it. Oh. Uh oh, we've lost, we've lost people. Give me a second. There, there he, is. he is. I'm back. What the fuck happened? We have no idea. It just, we just saw you left. Did you accidentally hang up? Did you, did you leave? No. I thought you were pissed off because he was talking about <laughs> interactive smut and that that incensed you or something no uh, He's a Puritan. it fucked up the cameras on the thing which i knew what was going to happen so fuck it <laughs> that's fine we're wrapping it up anyway but yeah. uh it it's not just video games it's it could be like old fucking hustlers it could be like all kinds of anything that would have smut in it there's actually a big uh market aftermarket for old playboys yeah i know they're, they're all worth a lot of monies now. Especially now, because it sucks now. Yeah. So, where am I going to go to buy my fucking imported uh, Japanese hentai games now? What the hell? Merikari. I don't know what that is. Pinterest. Not Pinterest. Um, um, <laughs> the is, what's the other thing? Craigslist. Craigslist. Merikari is like kind of seems to be the new go-to fucking site to try to buy things online from people if i'm being honest i'm kind of surprised you could still buy smut on ebay i guess i know like people were bringing it up in the comments like no this is probably just like a a liability thing mm -hmm. they're just like no in case johnny dumbfuck got a hold of his mom's credit card and bought a butt plug and (laughs) playboy from 1979 he can still do that he just has to go to the sites that sell them i know but that that I see what they're saying though, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. is still fucking stupid. It's I still, still feel stupid. like this is like some kind of dumbass censored shit, shit or whatever. I don't know. Uh, the only thing I could think of is like, I mean, I hope it's not like thinking about sponsors and shit. Like, it's it's a fucking marketplace for. Does eBay have sponsors? No, I wouldn't imagine so. I mean, they they make money on sales. eBay sponsors things. Unless they're ta- true. unless they're talking about like um, stopping child por- pornography, but like then you should be reviewing the products that are on your fucking site besides deleting every adult thing. I re- I really think it, it is just down to like liability and shit, trying to protect themselves from like class action lawsuits or whatever. Yeah, I imagine they're getting like emails and tweeted at all the time. I can't believe you're selling this, and they're like, "We're selling. What are we selling? I don't even." We What's sell everything. On? Wait, yeah, we maybe s- we should. Maybe we shouldn't sell everything. Maybe we shouldn't sell everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's becoming more and more of a problem that kids are getting access to their parents' finances somehow and buying shit they should not buy. Yeah, but they, I mean, they do that with like uh, streamers on fucking uh, YouTube and Twitch, where they're just like, "I want to look at titties, even though I can go on titties on fucking Pornhub." And I know that, that's that's a whole yeah. other deal. Yeah, doesn't make sense. I don't know, man. I just thought it was kind of amusing slash just, frustrating. Kids these days, they, they have they have so many options. Now they're being snooty about it. In my day, yeah. you got a scrambled channel 98 Spice Channel. It's all you got. You're you happy have to a, have it. Your friend's like, bro, I found this under my stepdad's bed. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
or like HBO and you want you have to like stay up real late at night to see the yeah. the naughty uh, uh stuff on there. Um yeah, I have no news to talk about. Um fuck news. Besides E3 is around the corner. I think that's, that's what I was getting ready to ask. When's E3? It's next month, right? Yeah. I believe June 12th is when uh uh not June 12th, June 15th maybe. Why am I I'm looking at May when I'm saying that. Yeah, June 12th is when the E3 starts. Hopefully the industry will get back to work. Yeah. Like everybody else. <laughs> They're doing a bunch of digital shit though. Yeah, I know, but like I don't know, it's like the whole industry just ground to a halt. A bunch of people have been saying they won't, they won't, they don't have E3 stuff to do. I've been seeing that as a as a trend on Twitter. Like, Small uh, companies being like, we're not, we're not announcing shit. We've all been at home for the last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, most of the stuff that's been working on for five years, like Halo Infinite and whatever Xbox has been doing for the last three years, are finally going to get announced. Uh, hopefully. By the way, I just found out they're they're making another Quake Bethesda. Um, are? I didn't see anything about like that. Like Quake 5 or like Quake Online free-to-play no, not nonsense edition? Like a next iteration of Quake that you have to buy. Okay, that could be interesting. Yeah, that it could be interesting. I mean, they, they did Doom up, right? So maybe they can do Quake a little justice. Which, I was kind of thinking that after playing Quake. I was like, I think I want to see them try Quake again. Yeah. Did you ever play Quake 4? Not. I Quake 1's been the first Quake I've really played. Oh, uh, okay. Are you going to keep going? I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to play all id games. Quake yeah. Quake 4 is weird, but yeah. but it's fun. Okay. I so um like you're going to go through 1, 2 and 3 and then you're just going to be like 4 and be like wait, what is this? Is this like fucking Doom? Like are they trying to be Doom but Quake at the same time? I remember uh, Doom Doom 3 being that same speed bump. It's like wait, what? Yeah. That was during their like experimental phase. The only thing that wasn't really experimental was like Return to Castle Wolfenstein. It felt like, yeah, this is a modern take on doing a Wolfenstein game. That's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, you just use big guns to kill Nazis in a castle. Like, that's the formula. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I think um, because next week is the last week of May before we get into June, we might do... Um, I, I always want to do this. I know that these other two don't really care for E3 that much, but I want to do, like, a top five what you want from each show um the big shows okay, so what you want right this well, is a lot of things because what i don't like is you're always like what are, what are your predictions i'm like i don't fucking know fucking virtual boy on 3ds like like i i have no idea and then there's like a scoring and i'm like wait god damn it i was i was throwing out stuff that'll never happen for fun you, so you, this is this is a wish list right yeah, this is a prediction well you didn't let me finish first of all, all, right, all, right, all right all right so there's a top five what you want and then there's a top five, what like a, a logical picks. Pretty what much. you think will happen? Yeah. So after we do our book reports, we gotta we gotta fucking three by five essay to write. Well, not an essay. We're just gonna pick what we want and we'll talk about it. We'll probably uh, we'll make a four hour video about it. Get ready. Well, at least we don't have to do a separate one for Bethesda anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's gonna be part of fucking uh, Xbox now. Xbox. Yeah. So. Xbox. Uh, that's that's all. Remember to watch uh, Assault on 13 Precinct and... <laughs> Assault on Precinct. Assault on 13 Precincts. <laughs> Whoa. Holy shit. <laughs> they really did defund the police. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you just saved the movies. Because I'm kind of like... I'm getting tipsy. This is 100% rum. Oh, oh 
Okay, Assault yeah. on Preset 13, the original from 1976, and um, uh, Escape from New York from 1981. The badassest movie ever made. One Kurt. of the best fucking movies ever. Kurt Russell. President uh, says you need to do this. The fucking president of what? But is it perfect? <laughs> Tune in to find out. Snake Plissken. Anyway, uh, if you want to catch more Big Trouble Little Podcast, which is off of a John Carpenter film, by the way, which no, <laughs> uh, we do. Uh, you, you type in Big Trouble Little Podcast in Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And you get all our episodes. Um, I forgot to put getting some color. I we recorded that the other day, and I forgot to post it. So that's another thing I have. Uh, hey, I you, you told me to put up the Resident Evil Six thing, so I put my focus on that, and I totally forgot. I totally. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah. We're doing another episode next week because we have Accelerated Gamer Friday. Friday. Yeah. Friday. Yeah, we're yeah. we're gonna record that and after a long hiatus. By the you way, get your fingers in a lot of pies. By the way, the Nemesis Project has fans. By the way, we had a, a comment uh, on there that says, "Hey, why aren't you doing the Resident Evil Outbreaks game?" And I said, "We'll look into it because we got to find a way to play it." <laughs> yeah, we got. We're, we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, uh, but uh, we'll end it here. We'll see you next week with some John Carpenter. Peace. Thanks for listening. <laughs>